Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA It's a True Story. Today, we're going to deviate a little bit, and we're going to be adding to the Good Vibe series on our website. This is really about wellness, which is especially important today, now more than ever. Our guest today is Vaidya G. Priyanka, the second in line to the succession of Aum, and she's joining us specifically to discuss Kaya Kalpa and how it's related to longevity. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to HOA. It's a true story. Thank you, Regan. It's such a pleasure to be here. So Vaidya G, can you please tell me exactly what it is you do and a little bit about your background for our listeners? Will do. So I practice integrative holistic medicine with a specialty in Ayurveda and Kayakalpa. And I've been doing so for several decades. And I do it from the perspective of something called the Nadi Pariksha or the pulse diagnosis, which has its roots in Ayurveda. And my family's lineage is in Ayurvedic medicine on my mother's side. And we hail from a place called Kerala in southwestern India. So that in combination with education that I've had in the United States and in Europe, I practice all over the world now without a practice in Australia. That's the only place I don't practice, but everywhere else I do. Okay, nothing down under. <laughs> so explain to us exactly what Kaya Kalpa is and how it's even related to this concept of longevity. So Kaya Kalpa pretty much translates into the rejuvenation of the body. And it is relevant because only if we keep our body in a state of rejuvenation are we always going to be healthy. Otherwise, it's very normal for our body to age at a really harsh pace. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> and that harsh pace is related to a whole lot of other things. It's related to the type of relationships you have, the kind of work you do, different other types of environmental toxins, the way you nourish yourself or don't, the way you digest or don't, the alcohol intake and so forth. Does this kind of wrap around the whole mind, body, spirit? concept, right? Ayurveda itself is a science of the mind and body. And Kaya Kalpa is the rejuvenation of the body, but it is not just linked to, oh, you know, I went and got a massage. It's a combination of breath work, positive thinking, proper imagery, great nourishment, very well done food, those type of things. So even the thoughts that you speak... Yeah. Thoughts that you speak, the thoughts that you think, the thoughts that you think you don't think, <laughs> all of those, yeah. We would say this is part of an Ayurvedic practice then. Kaya Kalpa has its origins about 3000 BC. Oh. And it's been around for a very long time and it has plenty of alchemy in it. It's almost like it's a medicine of the mystics. So what are the types of treatment, if you were to put it into modern science... Into modern science, well, modern science unfortunately doesn't have real uh, perfect treatments that I could kind of apply uh, to it. Apply, but it is a combination of something which is called marma therapy, uh, which is you know different points that are strewn all over your body. You work on them. Then there is an Ayurvedic component of acupuncture. Then we have aromatherapy. We have different herb applications, topically certain herbs that are taken internally. You mentioned marma. 
that is something I've experienced before. That can be a little painful working through some of these. Is that because of the way we've done damage to our body that when we're trying to apply Kalia Culpa to it, you got to go through some of the breaking down of those barriers? Well, let me put it this way. So what happens in your body is when you are exposed to so many environmental toxins, unnecessary relationships, terrible diet, lots of alcohol, to name a few, there are certain blocks that happen in the body. And the idea is to release the body off these blocks. But we use medicated oil as a transdermal application while we activate these specific points in the body. And that's exactly what happens. So marma is like a connection between your mind, body, and soul. It is um, neuromuscular. And in Mm. some cases, it's neuroskeletal. And for very many people, it is an olfactory experience as well because it's very sensual, right? Because you start taking in all of those fragrances. That's why. Why would this be essential to longevity? How does this translate over to that part of it? Okay, so first let's explain and understand a little bit of what really Kayakalpa entails. Kayakalpa is not just about, you know, what I get a massage once a week is not Kayakalpa. Kayakalpa and Ayurveda, Ayurveda is actually about between 10,000 and 18,000 years old. So, you know, a lot of generations of people have lived through this way before modern medicine came into the mix. Because modern medicine is only about, you know, 250, 300 years old maximum, right? So we are talking about all of that time that has passed and so many uh, generations from countries like, you know, China and Japan and India and Indonesia, all of these countries, you know, known for well-being, of course. And it's almost like a kind of a combination of that wisdom and the coronderas of Central and South America, you know, and it's imbibed knowledge. And this knowledge is just not, like I said, linked to one meal or one massage or having a bunch of supplements every day. It's about your lifestyle changes and the choices that you make. So it's going to include everything from the body work yes. to the diet yes. to the changing, as we mentioned, kind of the thoughts, the process of all of that. The and habits. The habits. Oh, yeah. The habits is a really big one. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty bad about the, <laughs> our habits out here these days. And also your nutritional balancing. Because not everybody's diet is so wonderful that all of these nutritional things can actually come. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's never a one-size-fits-all. I always tell people that a visit with me and what I prescribe to you would be completely haute couture and it would not be, you know, a one-size-fits-all t-shirt from Target. <laughs> no offense, Target. <laughs> <laughs> Is So you said anybody could actually do this, right? Oh, yes. Where would they go to try to find out more about changing these habits or getting some of these treatments? Well, there are many people who practice integrative medicine, but I don't know very many families that actually do integrative medicine with Kayakalpa and Ayurveda. And the reason why we are offering this and we have been offering this for years and years is so people have an understanding of where their weaknesses lie and where their strengths lie. So it's almost like you do a SWOT analysis on a human being, you know, and once you do a SWOT analysis on a human being, you're really getting what's called a reality check of what's really not working for you. 
We also look into the genetic composition of the whole thing, you know, like an invitae or a 23andMe and Mm -hmm. put all of those details together. Because as you said, there is not another person like you on the planet. I mean, you're a mom of twins. You know that both your boys are similar, but they, are, they might be alike, right. but they're not the same. That's correct. Right? If their behaviors are not the same. Their beliefs are not the same. And definitely their bodies are not the same. So it really makes a huge difference, right? To attend to everything with a very you know, kind of an honest opinion. You know, you have to be faced with it. How can checking a pulse give you that kind of information? So let me explain first about the difference between an Ayurvedic pulse or a traditional Chinese medicine pulse and a regular Western medical pulse. The regular Western medical pulse, you know. Counts the beats. Counts the beats and it can tell you whether a person's dead or alive, right? But in an Ayurvedic pulse or an Eastern medicine pulse or any type of a TCM pulse, we go into the intrinsic aspects of different organs Mm. based on what the different humors are doing inside you. So with a level of proficiency, which only happens with time, you are able to kind of figure out what's going on in the body, not just limiting itself to, you know, the lungs or the liver or the heart, but more about, oh, were you exposed to stress? And then people go like, oh, how the hell did you know? Or did you eat too much cheese? How come I'm feeling lots of stagnation in your liver? Because that person might have had a really heavy drinking weekend, you Mm -hmm. know? So that type of stuff. Would this kind of start with meditation It doesn't start with meditation, but, you know, the starting point can be anything for a person to embark on this type of a journey. For some people, it's just seeing terrible LDL levels on their blood work. I can understand that. (laughs) (laughs) And for some people, it could be that they had a wound um, just by chance while they were gardening and the wound took longer than usual to heal. So it could be an origin like that. For some people, it could be a messy divorce. For people, it could be the loss of a spouse. It could be illness, illness, curiosity, a yoga class, meditation, could be anything. The starting point differs. I imagine foot reflexology, they map out the different parts of your body on your foot, right? Yeah, because all your nerve endings culminate there. And so when they find something or feel something out of place on the foot, they can say, hey, you know, do you have a cold because I feel your sinuses or something, right? Right. So when you're feeling that pulse, that Ayurvedic intrinsic, but I'm sure it takes a long time and a lot of training to feel this, right? Uh These Is it kind of along that line where you can feel the abnormalities in that pattern? It's uh, the best example would be like... You know, The Price is Right. Do you remember this mm-hmm. show, The yeah. Price is Right? With all of the lights blinking. Mm-hmm. The pertinent things show up in the surface and we speak about it. The ones that don't really matter, we don't talk about. So that's just the right analogy. Okay. All right. That makes some sense. <laughs> so have they actually, de- I mean, it's so long ago in its years of practice, mm-hmm. have they actually documented how this affects longevity? Mm -hmm. It's been very well documented. And in fact, with the current Indian government, there has been a surge of looking up all of that literature. 
Oh, I bet, because India got hit very, very hard. Yes, very much so. Um, Not just from the COVID perspective, but even the current government is very interested in natural healing modalities that were unique to India. That's so interesting to me. And, you know, it is the second most populous country in the world. It's not just because they're creating more babies. It's because most people are not dying. Now, there's a thought, right? You don't... (laughs) And they tend to live longer. They, yes, they have very uh, fulfilling lives. And that makes a huge difference because, you know, what is contentment? That is something which most people have to understand. And it's a huge idea. You know, most people are not satisfied. Mm-hmm. Most people love need to become into greed. So what will make you happy? Is there an end point? Or is your happiness really linked to what you have? Is there a dollar amount to it? But don't you think we've actually kind of taught ourselves that now? I mean, from a young age, we're already teaching people, you know, that you got to make money. Money's what brings you happiness because money buys you things that make life so thrilling and fulfilling and adventurous that you can do anything you want. See, um, I think the relationship that not just America, so many countries in the world have with money is a very confusing one. Mm -hmm. Money is essential. It's required, but there is no reason to obsess over it because beyond a certain point, you know, you might have all the money, but what if you lose your health while you're gaining the wealth, then you will have to use up your wealth to get back your health. So what's the point, you know? I've also seen where somebody's lived in the same town their whole lives and never left. And they're some of the happiest, very content, as you put it. Right. They're some of the happiest, most content people I've ever met. Right. And they don't have a need or a feeling like they got to go travel the world and buy a bigger television or the newer laptop. More so, it's really the life-work balance. You know, Mm. just because some people on Instagram are traveling and taking pictures in all kinds of places all over the world, that might serve as an inspiration, but it should not really be the be-all and end-all of, you know, where you find yourselves. Because this idea of unnecessarily uh, needing to compare yourself with another person is a detriment to your health. We've already seen that in the next generation, right? You know, we already see teens that have gone as far as committed suicide because they feel that they're left out, that they're not getting enough likes on their Or their nose is not perfect enough. Yes, or they don't look perfect. And so I think that this is something that is really important to begin to look at, not just as an individual, but as a parent. Right. You know, what message are you giving your kids? And then also, it leads me to the next question. At what age should somebody think about some of these practices? So there is no real age. It is more interest, curiosity, requirement, right? So if you are, like I've been meditating since I was 10 years old. And to me, I was very curious about it, right? I know some patients of mine who have had to meditate, but that's because their cortisol levels or their stress hormone was so over the top that without meditation, it was going to cause some harm to their, you know, to their brain or the cardiovascular system. So, you know, so it does depend on interest and exposure, if you will, but 
more and more uh, people are really getting into meditation and yoga, not just for physical and mental well-being, because it also ensures that you have a certain level of calm. And that is so important because you cannot keep surviving without periods of calm in your body and mind. So we can't stay under stress all the time because the cortisol and adrenal just take over. Right. And, you know, when people say, oh, my adrenals are shot, well, they really are short. So is it ever too late to start undoing some of these things? It's never too late. But, you know, can a person hold on to a habit? That's the question. Mm. So it kind of comes back to habits again and the way we treat ourselves and what our expectations are for our It's the way that we want to treat ourselves. How much would you respect this body of yours? Do you think it's a discipline? It's a huge discipline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the other issue is that it's not just about discipline. It's about conditioning. And it is about predictability. And it is about being consistent in your practice. When you say conditioning, are you saying like from the yoga perspective, like the repetition of it conditions your body or is it same? No, conditioning as in like, you know, sometimes you're exposed to something new and rather than saying, oh, that's all humbug, it's not going to work. You know, you're going to have to change that conditioning in order to welcome a new conditioning. Mm. You know, it's, and an example would be when you're not done with one relationship and you're already looking for a new one, mm-hmm. there is no space. There is no auric energy that is present that can accommodate both those relationships in your life, you know? That's a really good point. I always have felt like when I have friends that have either gone through a divorce or a Uh, the loss of a spouse or something, you have to learn to be alone again before you can kind of restart something. It's so important. In fact, uh, very recently, there was a girl who just went through a breakup with her boyfriend. And she says, what's the one advice you'd give me, Vaidyatri? And I said, give yourself 90 to 120 days reconnecting with yourself. Because You have changed as a result of this relationship. For the good, the bad, the ugly, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's more about what have you learned? What are you willing to transform? And how much do you love yourself? Right? And three to four months is plenty of time, you know, for anybody. For self-discovery, changing old habits. Changing, I see change in Kaya Kalpa is connected to something being temporary. We call transformation as permanent because with transformation, there's no coming back. With change, there can always be excuses. Hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> transformation is what we should strive for. Then. Right. So now um, <laughs> once a week, I do teach Kaya Kalpa on Zoom. The actual component of the ideas behind Kaya Kalpa, I teach on Zoom. So it's a two-hour class and it's really nice because through the pandemic, people from all over um, the United States can really come into the class, which is a fun experience. Oh, we'll have to make sure we put that information on the end of the podcast so okay. that if somebody wanted to inquire. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful. Mm-hmm. You'll have to make sure you get that to me. So I <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I will. I'll write it down for you. Well, with so many people having 
been ill from COVID and now we're seeing kind of a resurgent and a variant. And mm-hmm. is this something that we should practice no matter what? See, Ayurveda restores your body to a state of balance. Kaya Kalpa rejuvenates and preserves the balance you've created with Ayurveda. That's ideally the distinction. Kaya Kalpa teaches you the information and the rules. Ayurveda and the practices of Ayurveda from a physical and biochemical standpoint will make sure that the Kaya Kalpa aspect is intact. Mm. So it's almost like there is no point cleaning your car once a week if you live by the Sahara Desert. It doesn't make no, it makes no sense, right? Because they will, you will have to clean your car every day. Because mm-hmm, the, the amount of sand and dirt. Exactly. So that's the whole idea. So the Kaya Kalpa will keep your thought process in check. Our little HOA industry world yes. is very much, it's a fairly small community within a large area. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of trying to preach balance between work and social and and it, it can be very hard sometimes because the people in our industry really enjoy each other. They like hanging out. But I try to remind people you need to have well-rounded friendships, not just work friendships. You know, This is true. And, to- and also, even within your HOA microcosm of a community, I know quite a few people who are in that community, right? So what happens is that I always tell people, You can have a work-life balance even within a community like that. It doesn't mean you have to go out drink all the time, right? One time it could be a yoga class. The other time it could be a juice bar instead of an alcoholic bar, right? Um, It could also be a hike together, Mm -hmm. right? You have to just change it up. Well, I know for a long time everybody started going to Starbucks, but then we all got amped up on coffee, (laughs) So I don't know that that actually achieved exactly what we were going for. That's why you need to mix it up. Yeah. Because any time you make an activity into a habit, it is the habit that will prevail. Now, a lot of times in my own life, I would go work out really hard and just, you know, kind of CrossFit myself into that really high intensity workout to get that depletion and that feeling of going forward. When you go through some of the things with discipline and, and the Kaya Kalpa type of effort, do you get that same kind of feeling? Yes, you do. But the idea with Kaya Kalpa is that we are embarking on a journey of consistency. We are not mm. um, embarking on a journey of highs and lows. Because the idea with having highs and lows is that you're confusing your body's biochemistry. You ever wake up one day and feel like you've been doing it wrong all along? <laughs> no. Go, well, that's what I've been doing. You're right. It does have a lot of highs and lows. And when you have highs and lows, like if it's very high and you're not maintaining the high, there is a mental and a physical component that will have a little bit of an, you know, a shakeup from yeah, it. You'll get the crash. Yes. Yeah. And, and this- that's one of the reasons why people, you know, have to have a candy bar. Just like when a sugar crash happens. Uh-huh. But with Kai Kalpa, it's very even killed. You don't really go through those swings. Swings or the jitters. No, it doesn't happen. Does it balance your emotions? Very so, much so. Yeah, so because the meditation already balances your emotions. The Kai Kalpa keeps it balanced. Kai Kalpa by itself cannot create the balance. 
you have practices and then you have wisdom. So Kalpa is more so the wisdom part. And then there are aspects of Kalpa which create skin rejuvenation. It creates body toning. It creates the telomeres, you know, the tails, mm-hmm. you know, actually lengthen over time. I imagine at some point this must tie into the religion of India, the different religious sects. See, India is one of the most complicated countries when it comes to religion, because India is not a Hindu country. It is one of the world's largest democracies. In fact, I think it is the world's largest democracy. And it is a secular country where all religions are respected and there is religious tolerance. So the behaviors and the habits have nothing to do with the religion. In fact, even Hinduism by itself, even though people call it a religion, it really is a way of life Mm. because you can never get converted into Hinduism. You can imbibe the wisdom of Hinduism and practice it, practice the tenets of it, but you never really would be urged by somebody to convert to Hinduism. because go take a class that then they bless it and say you're now. No, no, there isn't any type of... um, fascinating. But there are some subsects which I'm very uncomfortable with that provide that type of conversion nonsense, and that doesn't really exist. And I think that when we are born as a human being, a religion or a faith, which we have just come across during, you know, the course of humanity, shouldn't be the reason why we don't practice something which has such beautiful wisdom. For example... We have no problem dancing to salsa music, Mm -hmm. right? And not everybody who dances to salsa music even knows where salsa is from. That's true. Right? Similarly, we have no issue drinking green tea. Most people who drink green tea on a regular basis have never been to Japan, Mm -hmm. right? So this association of people thinking that Ayurveda is only for Indians or Kayakalpa is meant only for Hindus is the most ridiculous idea that doesn't really exist. So fascinating. So in the modern society, what can we do with Kaya Kalpa to make our longevity possible? Because the idea is not to live long. It's about living well. It's having your brain in the right place, not having to go visit the hospital all the time and have all this long-term care. And it's not to be sickly. It's to be thriving and beautiful and excitable. Well, thank you again, Viad Jay, for coming and spending the day with me and talking more about Kaya Kalpa. And if somebody wanted to find out more about your class on Zoom. Yes, I'm, I'm going to give you that information. And uh, regarding our food that we make, um, I'm available on Instagram at Om Cuisine, A-U-M-C-U-I-S-I-N-E. And she does a lot of videos on how to prepare the food. Uh-huh. So it's not, on YouTube. Yeah, yes. it's really, really great. I, I encourage everybody to check it out. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.